out of Oklahoma City. You're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. They're talking about you, boy, but you're still the same. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where a bunch of people gather around the table and we apply film studies analysis to the films that you'll never actually watch in a film studies course. This week's film is Gone in 60 Seconds. There are a great many 60 second jokes I would make about my co host, but I will not do them right now. And uh, so, nonetheless. What are you trying to get at over there, Dustin? I, I just, just telling people what I heard. All but right. uh, moving on. Uh, we are going to be doing this film, and we are very, very excited to do this, but we must first identify. Identify the voices speaking to your brains uh, through your generic MP3 playing devices. To my left, ma'am, who are you? My name is Alexander Bohannon, and by the time you get out, Caleb, there won't even be cars. There will only be spaceships. That'll suck. I'm game for that. Very, very good. Thank you very much. On down the table, sir. Who is that? Hi, my name is Caleb Masters, and, and, and Dustin, I've been in OKC for a good while now. I've got money, I've got taste, but I'm not anyone's a list. So Saturday night's pretty much the loneliest night of the week for me. Yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Glad to hear that, and that's accurate. Uh, my name is Dustin Sells, and Arthur, lowrider, lowrider Arthur. And we're back, and we're here to talk Gone in 60 Seconds. We're so glad to be doing this right here, right now with you all. Now, we need to warn you, this is not a review show. It's an analysis show, and that therefore means that we will not be avoiding spoilers because spoilers are necessary most of the time when one does analysis. Therefore, we will have a synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema, Mr. Arthur Gordon, our producer uh, behind the glass cage this week. We're so glad that you're there in the soundproof booth, Arthur, looking at us, making obscene gestures. It's um, very helpful uh, to us all. And uh, put that thing away over there. I see it, Arthur. <laughs> and uh, so we'll have that synopsis from the right Reverend Gordon. And then we'll move right along into uh, our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. But without any further ado, Professor Gordon, let's hear that synopsis. A retired master car thief must come back to the industry and steal 50 cars with his crew in one night. To save his brother's life. That's very, very accurate. Thank you very much for that, Senator Gordon. We appreciate it. You're going to get every honorific possible today. I just hope you don't mind. Uh, <laughs> Queen Gordon. And therefore, uh, we're going to move now to those quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. I'm so excited to hear what you guys thought of this film because I think opinions are funny. Uh, and uh, therefore, a thing worth our time. Mr. Caleb Masters, thumbs up, thumbs down. What did you think about Gone in 60 Seconds? Uh, yeah, well, Gone in 60 Seconds is a really uh, kind of fun bit of 90s riffic. Uh, it's kind of a 90s riffic precursor to the Fast and Furious franchise. And, except for it's even more B-movie than any, any of those in, in a weird sort of way. Uh, the characters are a lot of fun. The plot's ridiculously, obscenely silly. The car stunts are obscenely silly. Uh, I felt like I was watching, this is a really obscure reference, I felt like I was watching, oftentimes felt like I was watching a, an episode of the NASCAR Racers Saturday morning cartoon. I was waiting for the uh, jet ship to eject from the, the main car. 
it's uh, I mean, yeah, that about sums it up. It, it pretty much is like watching a Saturday morning cartoon with more violence and more cuss words. So, uh, yeah, and much better sex scenes. Eh, than eh. Saturday morning cartoons. You, you're, I don't know what Saturday morning cartoons you're Meaning watching. There's Dustin. more than just there is more than zero. Yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I don't really have much to say about it. it it's uh, it's harmless, forgettable fun. All right. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters, Ms. Alexander Bohannon. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Gone in 60 Seconds. Gone in 60 Seconds is a relic of a bygone era. That bygone era meaning being the late 90s, early aughts, where you get heist movies that all have are shot with this weird yellow filter on them. Like, uh, you know, Ocean's Eleven and uh, what's the... Uh, Running Scared is an honorable mention because even though that's not, you know in that this time period but you know you have this list of kind these like heist movie snatch that was the one i was going for because you have uh what's his what's his name is in both of those movies brad pitt what brad pitt's in snatch right no. yes brad pitt yeah. is in snatch but not in this movie not, oh in this movie <laughs> yeah oh. the 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 gangster the bullet gangster the one bullet tooth tony he's Vinnie Jones. Oh, Vinnie Jones. Oh, yeah. Vinnie Jones okay, is sorry. in. Uh, is I lost in, a moment there. I apologize. I'm back. You're now. fine. I think you're thinking. Oh, Angelina Jolie, who is married to ba- Brad Pitt, and there you go. There um, is my six degrees right there. Boom. Yeah this this movie is fun. It's '90s riffic. It is uh, brainless eye candy. Really, I mean, there, there's not like a lot going on. I think that if I had to pick of movies that we've watched this year that have the least amount of substance to them, but are still pretty enjoyable. I'd say this ranks fairly high. Yeah. Um, and it also ranks fairly high. Um, I think it goes on a list with like Zoolander and maybe focus, um, you know, just like blockbustery summer fun that, you know, doesn't really change anything at the end of the day for it being out there is except the fact that Christopher Eccleston is an amazing bad guy and he should be in more things because I mean that man is great and whenever I was in my biggest Doctor Who phase I rewatched this movie and I was like holy shit it's a night doctor he's the bad guy it's amazing and he has hair a lot of it see the leftovers season one and two what the leftovers Christopher Eccleston has an incredible incredible role oh, in that show okay cool yeah so uh anyway it's 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 just this boring not boring i mean it's just like this meh 90s late 90s movie that i feel is better than running scared but not much better than much else all righty well thank you very much for that miss alexander bohannon now i must take you once again down memory lane no not to vhs lane no this is dvd lane at which point in my life i purchased my very very first actually was purchased for me uh, for a christmas present a dvd player with said gift came two dvds uh again selected without my knowledge or foresight or um curation whatsoever i got a copy of ridley scott's gladiator and Gone in 60 Seconds. That's Whiplash for you, dear listener. And also, uh, it's a movie that I like a lot. It's a lot of fun. I, first time I ever interacted with an interactive uh, DVD menu in my life. It was, just, it, was, it was just super cool. It was super fun. And uh, it's a movie that I still think, it, as you guys say, uh, perhaps lacking in substance. It's not about the big themes and the big ideas. It's not about the justice system or the insidious nature of lives of crime and other interesting things that perhaps it could have done. Uh, you know, the way, you know, uh, in, in a film noir, you can't get out, right? 
it, it could have been more about that. There is some of that working in the plot, but it's it's a big, fun, funny, well, I think well-rounded and well-acted uh, film. You know, uh, Nicolas Cage is his most, yeah, uh, that he ever is, and that's good. And uh, the, the rest of the supporting cast all do a great job of being their characters and being uh, well-written as characters insofar as not that they have depth or flesh on the bone as characters, but they're able to have the character ticks. I look at something like Predator, where you know very, very little about the rest of the commandos they're fighting with uh, Dutch Schwarzenegger, but uh, they have enough of their just personality ticks that are being played up for laughs and also just for introduction that it does it all very well. And therefore, it is a um, perfectly acceptable fun popcorn film and i think ripe fare for good trash and uh therefore i'm excited that we took a look at this particular film it's going to be fantastic as we get to our analysis but before we do that guys i think it might just be time to play the game time to play the game time to play the game that's right, dear listener. This week's game is our favorite cinematic cars. That's right, our favorite cinematic cars. Brought to you by Gone in 60 Seconds. Gone in 60 Seconds. Nicolas Cage asks a co-star what you use car keys for in this movie. Yes, that all happens. <laughs> I was like, what else do you think you're going to use these car keys for, dipshit? Like- <laughs> in a movie about stealing cars, typically one would use keys for... Not, well, stealing not stealing cars, cars I yeah, guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you don't, yeah. Uh, that, well, I mean, you could steal cars if they're keys you could in them. scratch the, si- the, the keys on the side of the car. They love it's... that. They love that. Keys? Uh, this, is a, this is a good start, man. <laughs> so our game Whoa! is this. We are going to love cars and love cars in the movies and talk about those cars with whom we love uh, or in whom we are in love. I'm not sure. Prepositions are important. We had that discussion off mic. Moving on, though, Miss Alexander Bohanna, what are your selections for favorite cinematic cars? Um, of course, I'm probably just going to totally steal a whole bunch of people's, but all the Bond cars, they're all great. Sorry. I'm just going to take all of them. You can you can specifically denote favorite ones, but I don't know that much about cars besides the fact I'm like, oh man, those are great cars. Um, (laughs) I also like, despite this being blasphemous to mention on a list of good things on the Good Trash Genre cast, according to one Dalton Stewart, another cinematic car that I find delightful is uh, that of the yellow Camaro in Transformers franchise. Bumblebee, the the epic uh, transforming car robot mech. <laughs> I don't know anything about cars, people. Okay, and it's then... A, it's overrated. Also, last but not least, um, the DeLorean, because I wasn't aware that that was a real car before the Back to the Future. This is, this is beautiful. <laughs> it's like the knowledge of cars you get by only watching the movies. I seriously thought the DeLorean was invented for Back to the Future. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it was invented specifically for Back to the Future. It, it was the 80s. You were yet to be a gleam in your father's eyes. That's very it, true. It, it, it's totally... <laughs> fine. Thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohan and Mr. Caleb Masters. What are your um, cinematic vehicular selections? Yeah, well, I'm I'm right here along with Alex. I don't know jack about cars, and I've come to the conclusion, despite trying very hard to care about cars, that I, I really don't care about cars. Uh, so I had to do some research to find some of mine. So my favorite cars are more like favorite cars and car chases. So we're going to go right to Bullets 1968 Mustang because I don't care about that car, but you know what? It makes for a sick car chase. A really freaking sick car chase. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch Bullet. It's great. Uh, also, 
Vin Diesel's 1970 Dodge Charger with the freaking huge engine built-in thing that he modded in the Fast and the Furious franchise, where he it's got so much power it like revs up on two. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And here's what you know what we didn't specify that it had to be specifically a car. So you know what else I'm gonna throw out there? 1973 Volkswagen Transporter Type Two from Little Miss Sunshine because I think Volkswagen vans are a, 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 are a treasure. For not knowing, say you don't know anything about cars, you you certainly know more about cars than I do. It's called the internet. Oh. I feel this man was well aided by a listicle. Um, oh. it, it, is what I'm feeling. Oh. oh wait, wait, wait! I'm not done though. Oh, I'm I not bet. done. This is not off. This is not off the well, rails. This, and we're gonna okay, wait, wait, see. We start with cars. You see, we're going the Volkswagen. So we're gonna take the next uh, logical step and go to it. Chitty chitty bang bang in oh, the film. Yeah. Chitty chitty bang bang. Uh, then I have to give a shout out to two of my favorite fictional vehicles, which is Tim specifically. Tim Burton's Batmobile from Batman. Uh, that is like when I always think of the Batmobile, that's the one I think of the really long, uh, you know, the really long gate front with the sliding top. You know, that I always think that's the Batmobile. So, sorry, uh, was it Tumblr? Right? Was it? Was it uh, sorry, Tumblr. I mean, you got weapons, you got game, but you don't look sexy like the front of that car. Um, I have to say, every time someone said his name. Zach and I laughed because Tumblr is, I mean, yes, I know it's a, a word, but it just sounded like someone was calling him a social media network. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I was, yeah, that's why I was just <laughs> making sure I hadn't forgot I had the name correct because I was like, wait, the social media? Uh, and lastly, for Mad Max, the Interceptor. Yeah. That car is amazing. May it rest in peace twice. Excellent selections all. I appreciate them very, very much. Let's uh, do some other things just to get some more juices flowing. Um, I'm going to pick the uh, Cooper Minis that you find in uh, both Italians' jobs. Um, jobs Italian. Uh, let's say oh, wait, wait, wait. Verbiage is important. It is important. Uh, it I'm just I'm playing for kicks now. But nonetheless, uh, I love that. Love the, I love the chase scene. I love the use of the cars. I think it's very, very well done. I love how it's sort of uh, recreated and mocked it to an extent in a little movie called Pixels, which was otherwise quite bad. But that little bit of Pac-Man uh, running around in the city that was, was pretty fun. That was very, very I don't care fun. how bad that movie was. There were parts of it that were glorious. Yes, indeed. I'm also going to name um, the cars the titular Cars that ate Paris in uh, the Cars that ate Paris, uh, directed by Peter Weir. Uh, it's these these crazy monstrosities. This is porcupine looking thing. It's it, it's a, it's an interesting movie that's less about cars than you'd probably expect. Uh, and it's available on I believe the Hulu Plus. If you were interested, Peter Weir is a great director, uh, most famous probably in this room for his work on uh, the Truman Show. Um, also, a picnic at Hanging Rock. He's a great Australian director. And uh, definitely, definitely, any of his oeuvre is worth your time. But in, in terms of our game, The Cars That Ate Paris. How about another titular car, The Car, from the film The Car, uh, in which uh, there is a demon-possessed car that is this crazy Dustin, testosterone. Dustin, Dustin, yeah. uh, help me out, buddy. Can you be more specific about which car? Um, the Car from The Car. The, the Car. So you have to, like, the definite article's got, like, two different shades now. It, what, this is a good trash grammar cast. What are we doing today? <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are having a <laughs> good trash pedantic cast. Pedantic, pedantic cast. <laughs> Next spinoff show coming to, coming to a podcast near you. Yeah. But uh, it's great. It, it, is this, it is this monstrously testosterone-laced design vehicle with dark glass and a long front end, like you described earlier, Caleb. Um, and uh, so it is sort of an inspiration, I think, to an extent to Tim Burton's Batman. Also, Guillermo del Toro owns one. 
like a version thereof. It weighs like a gazillion pounds. It's 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 very. very Del Toro scary. owns all the things in that really crazy second house he has. All the bleak houses. Yeah. A visit I need to have. It's in my it's life. on the bucket list, buddy. Yeah. Wait, is it is it open to the public? Uh, at times. At times. I know that part of it is actually at the uh, Los Angeles Museum of Modern Art right now. They've um they've got a, a running curated sort of show, and they they were. Just recently, if it's not happening right now, it just wrapped up, and we're showing parts of those things there. Uh, lastly, just, again, cars are fun. Uh, what about uh, the great film, uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and uh, that really, really cool roadster uh, that's there in that car? That's a lot of fun. Sure. And so, yeah. Thank you very much for that great gameplay, dear co-host, uh, dear listener. We would love for your selections to be also heard and tweeted and retweeted and uh, also shared via several means of social media that we have available to us. I'm going to ask Miss Alexander Bohannon to tell us a little bit more about that. Sure thing, Dustin. You can find the Good Trash Media Network at facebook.com forward slash good trash media. You can find us on Twitter at good underscore trash. You can find us at Instagram at good trash media. And you can find us at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash GTM. Thank you very much for that, Ms. Bohannon. We'd love to talk more with you about this. We're all friends. We talk about this stuff all the time anyway. We do this for you, dear listener, and we want to talk more with you via those means. Now, as I look upon my watch, I realize the time is getting away, and I think it might be just time to get down to business. It's That's right, dear listener, and that business in question is, as always, analysis. I'm very, very thrilled to hear what my dear co-hosts have brought to the table. I know the thunder's coming, and so I'm excited to hear all the words that they will have to say uh, to me and to you all via the Internet's magic. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what is your analysis on Gone in 60 Seconds? As we've discussed previously, it's it's kind of difficult in, in features that are so uh, light uh, Content-wise, things that feel like just a bit empty, a bit shallow, to really kind of pull out some decent threads of analysis. Uh, but I do think I have one, and that is the pr- the thesis is sex sells cars. Go on, because sex sells cars, right? So this this movie, besides being um, you know a Nicolas Cage vehicle. Hey, sorry, I hate myself. It's fine. Um, Besides being a Nicolas Cage film, it's also a car commercial for Ford, for Mercedes, for God, what other brands were in there, Mister Car Guru? Oh, there's there's quite. I mean, there's a lot of Ferraris. I mean, lots of Ferraris, fast bitchin' cars. You know, fifty of them and of all different brands. Anyway, the thing about cars being in this film is that they're often kind of related to and first of all they're gendered female and and that is i know that is also like hearkening back to calling a ship a female and that's kind of like a tradition thing but it also transcends that tradition whenever nick cage starts like caressing having this very intimate moment with a shelby mustang mm-hmm. shelby 1969 nine. i want to say uh 1960 it might be an eight it might be is it a seven okay a 67 shelby mustang that is for some reason like the epitome of of car owning this is correct okay 
all right, everyone is assuring me that that is the epitome of car owning. But but he actually starts caressing it, ta- using this language that has lots of double entendres, like if he were saying them to like a physical female or a physical person, and it would come across as very sexually charged. But because he's doing it to this inanimate object, it, it, it kind of, you know, he's just conveying his desire for it and then of course whenever we transition later into the film we have this almost sex scene between Angelina Jolie and um and Nicolas Cage we have throughout this almost sex scene we have them talking dirty ish using their car lingo because that's another thing that I feel like this movie does well side note that women are typically given them uh, the profession of mechanic whenever they're trying to be fetishized. Like whenever it's very male gazy, whenever mm-hmm. you're giving a woman, like I always think of transformers to bring that franchise up again. The fact that she can r- work on a motorcycle and bends it, over this car. You and- mean she, the way she works on the motorcycle and the second one when she's like hunched way over and that really awkward spot. Yeah. That, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, very male gazy and, and it also correlates like all of these sexual desires and, you know, these, urges to car ownership thus implying hey you have a fancy ass car you're gonna get laid more and and that's basically the gist i feel of gone in 60 seconds and the reason why and this is just my personal bias coming out that the reason why bad boys want to drive fast cars so they can get laid in said fast cars with hot chicks later um i mean there is a certain thrill in 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 driving a fast car but I think that there is also a certain thrill in enthralling your lady friend with said fast car. I think that just cars and sex seem to be going hand in hand since the invention of the automobile show. I mean, it's all over the nice guys, for one thing. I mean, if you all have seen that most recent uh, film. The porn industry, direct connection there. Yeah, the like it's a literal the, direct yeah. connection. Yeah. Um, but it's anyway, I said all this to say that uh, sex sells cars. Excellent, excellent. I would, I would just make a tag on point. I think Alex, go for uh, because it. Because uh, there is another thing about the cars, and it actually kind of came up a little bit in our gameplay that the the, the, the car itself does function as the phallic symbol. Oh yeah. And uh, so we were talking about you know how sexy those long nosed cars are. You know, I mean, it really is sort of that kind of thing. And we'll just park it in my garage, uh, etc. <laughs> right. Well, yes, and the, yes, the, the the euphemisms that follow thereafter, and they are sort of a form of compensation as well um, for those kinds of things. Um, Hence, truck nuts. Hence, truck nuts. Yes, it is a thing. I don't understand. I, I don't. Either. I never will understand. I drive a 2003 Merkur Grand Marquis. It doesn't. It escapes me entirely. Um, I swear to God, every time I see one of those cars, I always think it's you and it's an old lady. Yes, Dustin. yes, it is. But you know what? I'm comfortable in my land sofa. That's and it's good. Just, it's just fine. Well, thank you very much for that analysis, Ms. Alexander Bohannon. I want to talk a little bit about this film in terms of its style. I want to give some formalist analysis to what's going on with this film. This is a Jerry Bruckheimer-produced film. It is uh, the beginning of his rise to power and uh, acclaim, uh, as far as the box office is concerned, uh, throughout cinema. And there are a great many other production companies that were doing similar things and continue to do similar things at the time. Uh, a conversation I have sometimes with folks as I talk about being a film studies major, a person doing a PhD in screen studies and those kind of things is I say I can't watch movies from the 40s or the 50s because they're so boring, they're so slow. You know, the remake even of uh, you know particular films are, are 
you know, the slow burn nature is usually lost in most of them. And uh, I want to talk about a term that's used by David Boardwell, who I'm taking some issue with um, via my eye protein. Stay tuned, dear listener. Parts two and three are coming um, someday. But uh, one of the things that Boardwell it does is he talks about intensified continuity, that there has been a transitional change in the way narrative is um is is dealt with in a formal sense in film that does uh, intensify the the level of energy. It does become more frenetic, and it, the transition sort of began in the 1980s and sort of came to its uh, full apotheosis in the 90s. And we continue to sort of live in that style today. And you know the major contenders are are going to be your Michael Manns, your Michael Bay's, uh, those sorts of films. Um, all always sort of get mentioned, but any action film will do. Uh, that's really part of the contemporary period. And uh, there there are a few attributes that you see in this type of. Uh, uh, editing uh, that Boardwell points out that I think are plenty uh, noticeable in Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, the first one being is just the shorter shot length. There is a term used in film studies called the ASL, the average shot length. And so you count all the shots in a film, which is a tedious job with a clicker in which, okay, there's a cut, okay, there's a cut, there's a cut, there's a cut. And then you just take the full length of the film and you divide it by the number of clicks you came up with. The shot length of films has gotten far shorter. In fact, we are reaching Eisensteinian proportions of the shortness of our length. Eisenstein being Sergei Eisenstein. Uh, the founder of montage uh, filmmaking in Russia. And those films were known for how quick they were cut and how um, rapid the editing took place. But most of the time, even Hollywood film has had a very, very uh, longer, uh, very, very longer, very much longer uh, shot lengths uh, in in their films. And uh, that was the case all the way up through the 70s and new Hollywood even was still doing these sort of things. But as the 80s, I'm looking at you, Tony Scott, and others uh, began to uh, do different things with action film. The shot lengths have gotten shorter and shorter and shorter up until the the point of Gone in 60 Seconds, a little while later, Transformers. And the shot links are quite, uh, quite, quite shorter, and therefore you feel like more is happening, even though perhaps less actually is. Uh, another thing that goes on in these kinds of films that I think we see definitely see in Gone in 60 Seconds is this sort of bipolar uh, use of long and short lenses. Uh, this use of uh, very, very soft focus lenses where you rack back and forth between two characters that are very close to one another, and then the use of almost a telephoto lens uh, for sort of extreme deep focus photography. But there's something that happens in the mind of the viewer as you're watching this. It becomes interesting because it becomes different. Uh, in the 30s and 40s, uh, there was a really... Uh, a push towards using as much deep focus photography as possible. Shallow focus was used, has been used, always will be used, but it was sort of less le- leaned upon. Um, then in terms of independent film, uh, avant-garde film, and others, there was a lot of use of uh, of a, a much softer focus, uh, much shorter lenses. And what happened in there is that those films overwhelmingly chose one or the other. They picked a lane. And there's almost a schizophrenia that happens now in these films that, again, makes them very, very visually interesting. The last thing I want to point out that goes on in Gone in 60 Seconds, which is a fine example, is the use of uh, extreme close-ups uh, when doing dialogue. The extreme close-up has always been a thing. It's always existed, but it's always been a, a bit of a artistic flourish. I'm looking at Carl Theodore Dreyer uh, for his uh, The Passion of Joan of Arc. I'm looking at a particular moment in Shadow of a Doubt, uh, the Alfred Hitchcock film, where there's this slow pull-in close-up that you don't even realize you're there until you're there on Joseph Cotton's face. And those moments, again, are artistic flourishes. But now, instead of the one-shot, two-shot, or conversations happening in what we call a medium-length shot, which is a knees-up shot, sometimes in 
French film called The Plan American. Plan meaning shot, the American shot, because that's how almost all of our films were shot, were in these medium-length shots, especially in conversations. We now go from that one-shot, two-shot, over-the-shoulder sort of stuff to a lot more use of the close-up. And it becomes, again, about the charisma of the actor. This is why action films are overwhelmingly star vehicles as well. And it sort of, again, provides another sense of energy that we experience. And there's, you know, scads of these. Uh, most of all the supporting cast, not just uh, uh, Angelina Jolie and Nicolas Cage, get these moments uh, throughout the film. And that's part of sort of the energy that's imparted. Now, Boardwell goes on to say that it doesn't depart necessarily from a classical style. I will leave those conversations to another written day. But um, we'll talk about classicism in the film uh, at iProtein. But I will say this much. There has been a, a, a shift in the way films have been edited, it does sort of maintain a continuity in the sense of it is still super explainable. Uh, the, the old Louis B. Mare joke happens still in the way stories are told in cinema. They tell it once, uh, then you tell it twice for the people who miss it, and then you tell it a third time for Slow Joe on the back row. And so that's still happening uh, in film, but it's happening at a much faster rate. And I think that's part of the... Uh, perhaps the lack of attention um, that some viewers experience uh, when they look at older films. So now you know why those films, if they feel slow to you, why they do. So that's my analysis uh, for the day, dear listener, and we are so glad that you've stayed with us on this voyage so far in the show, but we're coming to a great part of the show where we are able to render a verdict. I am curious to hear what my co-hosts have to say. Where we say, does this film belong on the shelf or in the trash? And then what else? Or instead, I go to you first, Miss Alexander Bohannon. What do you say? Shelf or trash? Else or instead? Oh, trash. And, and I gently place it in the trash. It's not a hard trash. It's definitely not running scared. It's definitely not Jack. It's definitely not Bagger fans. It's this is a soft trash. It's just because it's like, why do I need to watch this? This is not ever? making the this is not making the world a worse place. No, no, no. Certainly not. I mean, it's very disposable, and I mean that in every sense of the word. Um, so I guess if you wanted to catch more disposable type. 90s movies i guess you could go for um your oceans 11 trilogy that's pretty like heisty and fun entrapment is another one i recommend even though i haven't seen it probably since it came out in the i must have been very young now i feel weird anyway um then i would also recommend to you uh snatch due to heist plus brad pitt and uh bullet tony and then we also i'll leave you with a fight club uh even though fight club is definitely heads above i think the rest of these movies um but you know i think it does still have like a really definite style and then there's some stuff i just really think that visually they, they have like a lot of similarities in terms of like uh quick cuts and that yellow thing like what do you even call that is that just what the 2000s look like were the 2000s yellow it was a way of doing especially a lot of night shooting that just kept it more interesting than going with blue it had kind of become a cliche that the night looks vaguely blue yeah. and they said you know we don't have to do the night blue let's do it on the other end of this color spectrum not quite orange would be the far ex exact opposite end of the wheel but yellow so i mean i think that was more logic than anything yeah well anyway for that reason all right. Well, thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohan and Mr. Caleb Masters. Shelf or trash? Elsewhere instead. Yeah, I just trash it. I, I think it's super disposable. The fact that I tried really hard to find some sort of extrapolate, some really interesting analysis, I spent a good bit trying working on it, too, and I couldn't come up with anything. There are much, much, much better car heist films. Uh, the Italian Job, either of them. 
either one are, are much better than this film. I personally prefer the Michael Caine original, but maybe just because I prefer Michael Caine to all things. Well, Michael Caine is, is pretty supreme. Uh, I really like, uh, I th- honestly, Fast Five. Uh, there, there's the the the, the revi- It's really weird that franchise. That, uh, hopefully, one day we'll actually get to, to talk about those because those things, are, those 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 movies are really really interesting animal. But specifically, the fifth one. That's the that's where they shifted away from like the the focus on the cars and more on the heisting, less on the racing and more out doing a job. And that movie is just top to bottom like so much fun, so much more fun than this film. And there's actually some really, really interesting analysis to pull from that film. So definitely, if you're going to pick out any of the Fast, Fast and Furious films, Fast Five, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Bullet, great film, great, great film. Uh, and then Alex already said, throughout the Ocean's Eleven. So yeah, um, and you know what? Either one of those, either two. The, the new, I prefer the new ones personally, but that's a generational thing. But the original would work just as fine as well with the Rat Pack. Alrighty, thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. I have this film on my shelf as long as I've had a DVD shelf. I have had this film on my shelf. That's cute. And I didn't get it on purpose. I didn't know the movie. I never, no, I know. I, it was it was given to me as a gift. I had actually not heard of it uh, when I got it. It's like, what's this movie? Okay, I watched it, and it's not left my shelf. And nor have I felt like it was crowding space that it did not deserve. I'm glad it's there. And I've never contemplated going to the half price books and trying to get you know fifty cents for it or whatever I would get. It's worth having. Um, I don't know if I'd spend a lot of money on it. But it's fun. It's worth watching. So I'm going to say the softest of the shelves, I suppose, um, as a result of that. And then I think you should check out um, – I'm thinking – I'm envisioning right now my recommends right now. So imagine this. It's like uh, three days of Talladega, okay? It's uh, this moment where you are a person who's into NASCAR, and uh, you're doing the, the days before, the days after, the uh, – the, the, uh, I guess it's, it's still tailgating in, in, even in that particular – I'm not going to call it a sport. Even in that particular uh, live <laughs> uh, live event, I can't call it a sport. I know they sweat a lot, but that's not the same thing as doing sports. Oh boy, I'm Dustin. Dod- you're you're walking on eggshells, man. There, there's a thin line out there for all the people on the internet who want to argue with you. I don't care. I'm sweating and I'm podcasting. It's not a sport. I'm just <laughs> saying it's just absolutely not. But it takes so much focus, Dustin. Although there are marathon days with podcasting, we do use that verbiage. So there is something to be said there, nonetheless. So these are the selections I've got in terms of that. You got to check. Take a look at Duel from Steven Spielberg. You take a look at The Car. I already mentioned it today. You take a look at Tony Scott's Days of Thunder. You look at Talladega Nights, because why shouldn't you do just that? And uh, finally, as already mentioned... Watch the Italian job, front to back, both films, double feature, uh, to end off your, you know, sort of Budweiser-fueled, uh, <laughs> Bratwurst-fueled uh, event uh, there watching NASCAR and thinking things about cars. All righty, dear listener. Well, there you go. Those are our selections. We'd like to know what you think. We've already told you how you can do that via those magical means of social media. But now a special announcement. Next week, there will not be a drop of the good trash on the we are going to take a little bit of a siesta. We're going to take a little breaky break and have a little week off. And so there will be a small interruption in our schedule, but it's not forever. No, and you know what, Dustin? I think this is a great time if you didn't catch any of our Dead Center Film Festival coverage. We had we were churning out like one at one or two pieces of podcast media a day, as well as some written articles from you yourself uh, over there. So if you guys are interesting, I, I know some of these films didn't get to play everywhere, but there's some we had some really interesting uh, interviews that uh, Alex, uh, mostly Alex, but I myself got a couple of interviews as well. Um, from the festival that's definitely worth a time checking out. So if you're missing your GTGC fix next week, we have loads of stuff still up on the website for you to check out. Absolutely. So next week's next week's film, right? 
if I'm going to double it down. So it's next week's next week. So the next film in two weeks uh, from the Good Trash Media Network at Good Trash Undercast is going to be a Zack Snyder film. That's right. We're taking a look at oh, Watchmen. Oh, man. I'm so excited about this, Dustin. Conversations will be had. Alan Moore will be invoked. It will be good times oh, for us all. For good, better or for worse, yes. Alan Moore will be invoked. Oh, I've got my chicken bones. We're going to really invoke him. It's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be an absolute event. Uh, so we're going to be doing that. And take a look at that film. Take a look at Gone in 60 Seconds. And most importantly, have a conversation with somebody about the movies. Because that's what makes this all worthwhile. The movies are so much more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. It's about the conversation. So until then, keep talking. And we'll see you next time. The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandra Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.